So when I was 19 years old, I was invincible. And this was no ordinary run-of-the-mill teenage invincibility. I had proof that I was indestructible. The night before I discovered my superpower, uh, I'd been out partying all night at a friend's house. I was driving home about 3 a.m. and uh, I was pulled over by a cop for a broken taillight. I was a charming little shit back then. <laughs> Uh, I managed to talk my way out of the ticket for both the taillight and the DUI I probably deserved. Uh, and uh, so to celebrate, I decided to leave early for this trip that I'd been planning to visit friends in Reno, Nevada. Now, I was living in Southern Oregon at the time, so it was going to be about a six-hour drive. And um, so I threw the stuff I had packed for the weekend into the only piece of luggage I had at that time. Uh, it was a uh, brown paper grocery sack. <laughs> and I threw that sack into my black and silver 1977 Toyota Celica GT liftback. Had louvers on the back window, custom rims, sweet ride. And I hit the road. It was 4 a.m. So, a few hours into the drive, I'm getting a little tired, so I did what any self-respecting teenager would do. I cranked down the window, and I cranked up Metallica. <laughs> so the first thing I remember after the accident was being, loaded, was being loaded into the ambulance. And I looked up, and I saw the paramedic standing above me. Uh, and I asked him if I'd wrecked my car, and he said yes, and I said, Fuck, because awesome car. <laughs> and, uh, they took me to the hospital. Well, the human mind is this incredible thing. The same organ that can make you think a mullet, muscle shirt, and parachute pants are fucking gnarly, dude, is the same organ uh, that can induce this state known as episodic analgesia. And what episodic analgesia is, is essentially your brain shuts down your pain, or shuts down your pain receptors when you've had some traumatic injuries, as I had. I had broken my shoulder, it hit my head, cut some tendons in my arm. So I didn't feel anything. And not only that, I didn't remember anything. I had gone into shock after the accident, and although eyewitnesses saw me wandering around, uh, I don't remember anything until I was being loaded onto the ambulance. Um, and so I still didn't feel any pain a few hours later as I was uh, flirting with the nurse who was picking <laughs> gravel out of my shattered shoulder. Uh, and I didn't even realize at this point how bad the accident was um, until my parents came down having been called. And they went out to look at the car, which had been towed to a local wrecking yard. When they came back, my father was crying. I had never seen my dad cry. Uh, so I knew it was, it was pretty serious. Uh, and I saw just how serious it was uh, a few hours later, driving home with them that afternoon. They took me by the wrecking yard to look at the car. So my Celica, 
uh, could best be described as a piece of industrial origami. The seat that I'd been sitting in was now upside down into the roof of the car, along with my stereo and my brand new Metallica Ride the Lightning cassette tape. Uh, it was pretty easy to see what had happened um, based on the condition of the car, the skid marks, and the police report. I was cruising along California Highway 44, doing about 70 miles an hour, and had driven off the right-hand side of the road. I was asleep. And uh, apparently I woke up long enough to overcorrect, uh, causing the car to flip and roll across the road. I was not wearing a seatbelt, and I was deposited out, out my uh, open window. About three feet later, the bottom car of the car, since it was rolling, hit a tree and wrapped around the tree. Um, three of the wheels were bent flat underneath the car. I should have died. I should have been killed. Um, and I think a lot of people, when they have a near-death experience, uh, have some kind of catharsis or have some kind of epiphany. And I guess I did, too. Um, but I, I did not find God. I did not join the Peace Corps. Uh, I did not uh, devote my life to helping others. Uh, quite the opposite, in fact. Um, I became what is known in psychological circles as a punk-ass kid. <laughs> um, and, you know, I wasn't afraid to die anymore. After all, death meant nothing. I had... Uh, I hadn't felt anything, I hadn't remembered anything. With death off the table, I could do anything, and I did. The nights got later, the drugs got harder, and worst of all, I began to take advantage of people and really um, wasn't a very nice person. And the people I probably took the most advantage of were my parents. Uh, so it's probably ironic that I was living with my parents a year and three months later, the night of the next car accident, uh, because I couldn't be trusted to live alone. And uh, they begged me not to drive this particular night. It was really, really foggy. Uh, and of course, I didn't listen. I never listened to them then. And so I got in my car and took off. And I could not see over the hood of my car. That's how thick the fog is. And I should mention, the car that I'd replaced the Celica with was the perfect car for the person I'd become. I had a metallic green 1972 Chevy Camaro with a legit <laughs> oversized tires, 350 engine, was one wicked ride. <laughs> so I'd driven down this stretch of road a thousand times before, and uh, I knew there was a stop sign coming up, so I started to slow down. And, and when I say I couldn't see anything, that's not entirely true. I did see the stop sign go by my passenger window. Now this particular intersection dead-ended in a T, and so I couldn't remember what was on the other side of the intersection. 
And if you've ever been in this type of situation, you're familiar um, with this term that was coined um, by this philosopher and playwright named Edward Bond. He called it accident time. And essentially, what happens during accident time is everything slows down. So I'm in, I'm in this intersection, and I seemingly have all the time in the world to reflect on this person that I've become in the past year. And I did not like this person. Everything about this accident was different than the first one. And this time I knew I was going to die, and I would never be able to make it up to the people I, was, I had hurt, and especially my parents. And, uh, and then my car was in the air. Uh, as the car nosedived, uh, I still wasn't wearing a seatbelt, and my face was thrown into the windshield with such force that it separated my nose from my face. I'm covered with blood, I crank the wheel, the car crashes to a stop, and I realize I'm in someone's front yard. Now the homeowners, this couple who lived there, were having dinner as I came flying into their yard, and they came out very nonchalantly as if this happened all the time. <laughs> And apparently, this happened all the time. <laughs> a few times a year, some punk-ass kid in his punk-ass car would crash into their front yard. So, <laughs> they very graciously invited me in, despite the fact that I was covered with blood, and to let me use the telephone, which I did, to call my dad. So my father showed up a few minutes later. He was not crying when he saw my Camaro, my total Camaro. He was pissed. And uh, in fact, um, as testament to how much our relationship had degenerated over the past year or so, uh, when I begged him to take me to the hospital because of my nose, uh, he, he said no. <laughs> he told me to put a Band-Aid on it. He finally, finally relented a couple of hours later and did drive me to the hospital as the fog was dissipating. And uh, fortunately for me, the doctors were able to put my nose back on my face. <laughs> and, um, the, the thing about being a superhero is you have to trade some of your identity in exchange for your power. And that's what I had done. Um, you know, I'd been a nice kid, an empathetic kid, and that had definitely changed, but the human brain is this incredible thing. The same organ that can make a kid believe he's invincible 
is the same organ that can make that same kid learn his lesson. Thank you.